Now grab your Bibles, remain standing for just a moment, just a moment. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of John chapter number four. John chapter number four. Uh, I, I want to preach a few weeks on this particular topic today. Uh, if you're curious, if you're curious about why the church is here, you just saw it. You just saw it. Uh, at Fairview, you should have your baptisms there. Uh, uh, that is why we are here. A lot of people have different ideas and opinions about what the church is for and what the uh, purpose of the church is. Well, you just saw it right there. God came to seek and to save that which was lost. And all God's people say it. When Jesus called his disciples, he said, I want you to follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. men. We are to be fishing for men. We are to be sharing our faith, sharing our story. We are running out of time. We are running out of time. If we're going to win our family, if we're going to win our friends, if we're going to see the people we love dearly make it to heaven, we got to get busy. We got to get busy. So with that being said, let's jump right into John chapter number four. And, and let's look in verse number, uh, verse number one. Uh, I'm going to, we're going to read just a couple verses and then we're going to skip the middle and go, go to the, uh, the last part of it. It says in John four, verse one, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Here's a key verse. And he must needs go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Now Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Dead heat of the day. Dead heat of the day. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. Now, let me give you the brief lowdown uh, till we get to verse 27. Uh, this woman is a very sinful woman. This woman has a bad reputation, uh, 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 but Jesus didn't care who she was. Jesus didn't care what she did. Jesus was concerned with her soul. And Jesus revealed himself unto this woman, and this woman believed who he was, that he was the Messiah, that he was the promised deliverer, and her life was radically changed. And in saying that, when that took place, she left Jesus, she left Jesus and went back to the city. Now, that catches us up to verse 27. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went away into the city and saith to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. 
Is not this the Christ? What did she do? What did she do? She shared her story. She told what happened to her and she told who did it. Are y'all with me? Uh, listen, then came they, or then they went out of the city, the people that she just witnessed to and came unto him. In the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, in other words, while that was going on in the city, this was going on at the well. In the meanwhile, uh, the disciples prayed him saying, master eat. And he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him all to eat? Now what's going on right here is, how many of y'all have ever heard the phrase, a come to Jesus meeting? How many of y'all ever have one of them? That's what's going on right here. Jesus is not happy with them. He's not happy with them. Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are wide already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. And, and many, watch this, watch this, y'all paying attention. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the disciples. It don't say that, does it? You know why it don't say that? Because they didn't say anything. Hello. They believed because of the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. What did she do? She told her story. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your mercy, and your kindness. Lord, thank you for the privilege of standing in front of a crowd this size. Lord, what an opportunity I have to, 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 to witness about you. And Lord, to challenge your people to the calling and commission you've given us. Now, Lord, I can't do this by myself. I need your help. I need your anointing. I need an unction from glory. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Don't let me say anything I'm not supposed to. And don't let me forget anything I'm supposed to. And God will be careful to give you the glory and the honor. And Lord, we praise you and we love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you are a history buff, you like history, you, you would be familiar with the name Genghis Khan. How many of y'all have heard of Genghis Khan before? Genghis Khan was a brutal, brutal dictator. He was a warlord. He was very famous for his ability to fight, his ability to uh, uh, gather people, to, the ability to conquer. He was a, a, an incredible general who built the largest empire in the history of the world. Nine million square miles. Are y'all with me? Nine million square miles. His, his uh, kingdom, his empire stretched from the river Euphrates all the way to the South China Sea. 
In other words, all of Russia, all of China, all of these countries in between, we find was under his control. And most people know that and most people uh, uh, are familiar with him and his empire. But little, little do people know about what happened after he died. After he died, some time went by and Kublai Khan, his grandson, took the kingdom. Kublai Khan was there. He had two Italians on his court and their last names was Polo. How many of y'all are familiar with Marco Polo? Marco Polo, uh, the two men on his court was Marco Polo's father and uncle. And they begin to share Christ with Kublai Khan, Genghis Khan's grandson. And he was so interested in this Christ. He was so interested in Jesus. And he sent the Polos to Europe because there was a great revival going on in Europe. And there were many people getting saved in Europe. And he sent the Polos and he said, go to Europe and bring back a hundred missionaries and we will become the largest, listen, the largest Christian nation on the planet. And so the Polos with Marco Polo was there in Europe begging people to come, begging missionaries to come, begging Christians to come and just share your, listen, share the gospel. Help us to reach the Mongolian empire. And they could only get two friars to volunteer to come. And as they came, they came about halfway and they, they changed their mind and turned around and went back to Europe. And so the Polos get to Mongolia and Kublai Khan said, where are the missionaries? Where are the people to share Jesus with us? Preacher, what are you saying? We have now on this planet, the two largest atheistic countries in the world because we missed a great opportunity. Can you imagine can you imagine how different this world would be? Can you imagine how different China would be? Can you imagine how different Russia would be if God's people would have taken advantage of an opportunity to go share their faith with people who were primed and ready and hungry for the gospel, but because they didn't, they missed a great opportunity. And so for just a few minutes this morning, I want to I want to preach on the subject, missed opportunities, missed opportunities in this story. It, this, this story is very familiar with the woman at the well. Most of the time when preachers preach on John chapter number four, they always concentrate on the woman at the well. They concentrate on her past and her history and, you know, her sinfulness and, and how God changed her life and, and didn't care about who she was and all that's great. But I want to, I want to focus a little bit different today. I don't want to focus on the woman. I want to focus on the disciples. I don't want to focus on uh, uh, a little bit, a little bit on, on, on Christ in this, in this part of what he did. But I really want to focus on the disciples in this story. So if you're taking notes, if you have your notes right in front of you, first of all, as we read this story, I want you to see number one, I want you to see the missional Christ, <clears throat> the missional Christ. If you're taking notes, write that down. The mission of Christ. If we are to be what we are supposed to be, we are called Christians. Am I right? Christians, meaning Christ-like. Christ-like. 
So if we're going to be a good Christian, if we're going to be a faithful Christian, we are going to have to be Christ-like or like our Christ. Now, let me show you what he was like. Let me show you what he was like. You remember that verse I said was a very important verse. He must needs go through Samaria. If you're taking notes, write this down. I want you to see when we look at Christ in this chapter, I want you to see his intentionality, his intentionality. Uh, Where do we get that? You see, Samaria was a hated group of people. They would, the Jewish people even thought that if you went through Samaria and you walked on the ground there at Samaria, you would, you would defile yourself. So here's what they would do. If you took a map of Israel, you would see Judea down here. Then you would see Samaria in the middle, and then you would see Galilee up here. And on the, the, the border here would be the Jordan River. And any good respecting Jew, they would never cross through Samaria. They would come up and go across the Jordan River, come around Samaria and go into Galilee so that they did not defile themselves with the wicked, heinous, uh, ugly, nasty people of Samaria. But the Bible says, Jesus said, no, we got to go through Samaria. We must needs go through. I know normally we would go that way. I know normally we would go around, but we got to go through Samaria. Preacher, what are you saying? He did it on purpose. He did it on purpose. Now, why did he go through Samaria? Without a question. There was only one thing that happened in Samaria when he went there. That was meeting this woman at the well. In other words, he did it on purpose. He intentionally went to a place where nobody would go to reach this woman at the well. Now, what can we take from that? Ladies and gentlemen, if you're born again here in, in this church and you are a child of God and you claim to follow Christ, I need you to understand something. You will not share your faith on accident. You will not do it on accident. You will not witness on accident. You won't slip up and tell somebody about Jesus. Do I have a witness? Preacher, what do you mean? I mean to tell you, you need to be intentional about it. When you wake up in the morning, you need to have a mindset that I'm going to find somebody to tell about Jesus. I'm going to find somebody to tell what Jesus has done for me because I am a Christian. And if I am a Christian, I am a fisher of men. I have taken my cross. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do what Jesus did. Somebody say amen. Listen, Charles Spurgeon said, every Christian is a missionary or an imposter. That's pretty stout, isn't it? But we see his intentionality. He did it on purpose. Now, I wonder why. I wonder why he said, I must needs go through Samaria. Listen, if you study the life of Christ, you'll find out over and over and over. It teaches that he would get up way before day and pray. I believe the father led him into Samaria because the father loved a sinful woman that God wanted to change. And somebody say amen. So we see his intentionality. He must needs go through Samaria. But then I want you to see his initiative. He took initiative when he got at the well. When he got at the well, here comes this woman. Now keep in mind, Keep in mind, there was some severe cultural barriers here. There was some severe cultural barriers. One, he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. They hated each other. Many Jews didn't even believe Samaritans had a soul. Okay, y'all with me? 
Many, many Jews didn't even believe Samaritans have a soul. They wouldn't have spit on them if they was on fire. They would come and cross the road and not pass on the same section of the path as a Samaritan. Not only that, but she was a woman. And a rabbi, it was outlawed. You know, a rabbi was not allowed to be speaking to a woman out in public that he was not related to. And you know what? Jesus didn't care. Let me say it again because you missed it. Jesus did not care about the cultural barriers. He did not care that she was a Samaritan. He did not care that she was a woman. He did not care about the prejudice of the day. All he seen was somebody who needed him. And watch this. He took the initiative. He said, man, you got something to drink. And she was like, do what? He could, she could, she was shocked. I, what, what are you doing speaking to me? You know, most of the time you Jews don't have nothing to do with us Samaritans. But he took the initiative. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying you're going to have to be intentional. If you're going to share your faith, you're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to do it on purpose. And you're going to have to take the first step. Don't wait for that. Now, I love it. I love it when people are primed and they're seeking God and they come to me and say, hey, hey, can you show me how to be saved? But that don't happen very often. Hardly ever. I've got to bring it up. I've got to start the conversation. And by the way, uh, Wednesday night, we taught you how to do that. If you're missing Wednesday night, you need to get here on Wednesday night. Secular. Listen, share. S-H-A-R-E. Start with the secular. How are you doing? What's your name? Where are you from? You live here? You work here very often? Secular. Totally off. What did Jesus ask? You got something to drink? The first words coming out of Jesus' mouth was not, if you were to die right now, you're 100% sure you'd go to heaven. Would there be some doubt? All he did was ask for a drink of water. He started with the secular. Home, H, home. A, attitude. R, religion. E, eternity. You, you go from the secular to the spiritual. You're building a bridge from your heart to their heart that Jesus can walk across. He took initiative. He said, hey, do you have some water? He used something to start the conversation. Now, I believe Jesus was thirsty. I do. I, I mean, he's, the Bible says he's weary with his journey. But he used an everyday situation to be able to introduce her to who he was. Does that make sense? So we see the mission of Christ. He was intentionally sharing the gospel. He was intentionally trying to reach a person who was unsaved and get them saved. He did it on purpose. He took the initiative. Am I speaking to anybody today? Don't wait for it to happen. If you're waiting for it to just happen, it's never going to happen. Are y'all with me? Now watch this. That's the mission of Christ. Number two, I want you to see the modern church. The modern church. Who would the modern church be in this story? It would be the disciples. They've been traveling with Jesus. They've been, they've been called by Jesus. They've been chosen by Jesus. Uh, they have been in the process of being trained by Jesus, right? They're being discipled. They're hearing his sermons every day. They have the privilege. They have the privilege of, of seeing miracles that he's doing. They have the privilege of hearing the sermons in person. They have the privilege of, of, of being exposed to his teachings and his miracles and all of these things. And man, what a cool deal that was. Boy, they were something. They were Jesus' disciples. 
Now watch this. They go into the city and they spend all their time and buy food. And they come back, they come back, and how many people do they bring to Jesus? None. Preacher, what's the first thing we need to see about the modern church? I want you to see their focus. Their focus. Write that down and look at me. The problem with the modern Christian today and the reason we're not seeing people saved like they need to be saved is because we're too focused on our own selves. They were focused on food. They were focused on their need. They were focused on what they went there to get. Here they are. Here they are in a city. Uh, now, Now, by the way, let me just go ahead and say this. These people had been looking for the Messiah. If you will read this chapter, you'll find out that the woman told Jesus, our father said that the Messiah is going to come and he's going to teach us all things. And that's when Jesus said, I am he. So we know they had already been seeking the Messiah. They were already looking for him. They were already waiting on him. In other words, watch this now. In other words, when the disciples got to the city, they knew and they had the very thing that the men of the city had been looking for all their life. And they didn't tell a soul. We come here and we sing and we get our worship on and we shout and we enjoy the singing and the presence and the worship and the excitement and the joy. And then we go out and we live our life and we go to work and we go to the restaurant and we go to the market and we go to the, the laundromat and we go to the ball field and we go to the gym and, and, and we're going into a city and we're going to a place that's been looking for what we have in here their entire life. They've been looking for joy. They've been looking for peace. They've been looking for hope. They've been looking for the answer to life and you have it. But are you so focused on your own agenda, so focused on your own schedule, so focused on your own list of dues, and then you're focused on everything that you've got to make happen this week that you don't tell a soul? They come back to Jesus. Listen, they're so focused on what they are doing that we see number two or B. I want you to see their failure. We see the modern church's focus. It's on themselves. And by the way, by the way, that's not an unusual thing because the Bible says in the last days, people shall be lovers of their own selves. Well, how do you know that people are lovers of their own self? What's the most popular picture taken today? Selfie. People are in love with themselves. Has anybody noticed this? Has anybody noticed? Look at me, everybody. Look at me. Don't worry about them youngers. They, they good. They fine. Has, Aaron, has anybody noticed the, it seems like the attitude of the majority of people in this world, they, they are their own universe and you just happen to be revolving around them. When it comes to the way they drive in traffic, when it comes to the way they treat people at a restaurant, when they come to the way, you know, I, 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 just little things, just little things stand out to me. 
I hold a door open for somebody. They see him coming. And I'm, I mean, I wait a little bit. Like, oh, they almost all the way out to the thing, but I want to be, be kind. And, I, and, I, and they just walk on by and not say a word. I want to snatch him out that door. <laughs> now, I don't. I just said I wanted to. Nobody says thank you or, or please or, or are y'all with me? We're so self-centered today. Now, I expect that from the lost world. But if we're Christians, if we're Christians, if we're Christ-like, we're supposed to die to ourselves. We're to die. He said a man must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Jesus. Following Jesus means to do what Jesus did. And Jesus was frustrated with his disciples. Because he sent them into this town that was full of people who were looking for the one at the well. And the disciples knew him and knew where he was and didn't tell a soul. When's the last time you told somebody about what you had? When's the last time you came and enjoyed the services and enjoyed the singing and joy and you went and said, let me tell you about what we got down there at the corner campground road in 157. Or are we just being like the disciples and we're so focused on ourselves while people are dying and going to hell all around us. Their failure. They did not bring a single person to Jesus. Now watch this as this scenario goes. I got I to gotta act this out a little bit, but it's kind of hard to act it out. When I got two stripes, I got to stay in front of them. I'm here for you, Fairview. We're here. We're here. Now watch this. Watch this. <clears throat> they cross paths. When the disciples are coming back, if you notice it, when the disciples are coming back from getting the food, Jesus is finishing up with a woman and the disciples are shocked that he's even talking to her. Did y'all catch that? Maybe it's because they were still a little prejudiced. Maybe it was their prejudice that kept them from talking to the Samaritans in the first place. Anyway, chew on that a little bit. And so here they are. The disciples are coming back to Jesus the, the, the woman who has her life changed and, and, and man, she has met the Messiah. He knew everything about her life. He changed her life. She leaves and she goes back to the city that they just came from. Is everybody with me on that? Everybody see that? Now here's Jesus's face. Here's Jesus's face. All right. He's addressing the woman. He's addressing the woman. She leaves. He turns around and here's the disciples. And it goes from this Two. Uh, Jesus, we got your uh, we got you a sandwich. I've got meat to eat that you know not of. Do y'all see the difference? I believe his tone is different. I believe his demeanor is different. I believe everything's different. He begins to lecture them. And this brings us to number three. What was number one? We see the 
the mission of Christ. Number two, we see the modern church. Are, are we following? We following? Number three, I want you to see the master's criticism. Write that down. The master's criticism. Now watch this. Watch what Jesus says to him. Watch what Jesus says to him. In verse, let's see. Let's get back over here. Jesus saith unto them, verse 34. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye. Say that with me. Say it again. Now why, why would Jesus say, say not ye? All right. Has anybody seen any kind of directions or, or rules made up that you thought was ridiculous? Like you've got a bottle of bleach. Do not drink. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why would they put a stupid rule like that on that? Because somebody did it. Are y'all with me? Now, I know we look at some of these ridiculous rules in, in, in the marketplace and all that, and you think, why would they have to do that? I'm going to tell you why. Anytime there is a rule saying don't do it, that means somebody did it. Are y'all with me? And if he is saying, say not ye, what does that mean? They've been saying it. What did he say? Say not ye, there are four months come to harvest. So what is the master's criticism here? He's criticizing their excuses. Their excuses. Unacceptable excuses. Say it with me. Their he says, say, basically what he's trying to say, he's trying to say this, you're thinking there's plenty of time. Stop saying you're going to get around to it. Stop saying there's plenty of time to witness. There's plenty of time to share your faith. Stop saying that you're going to get around to it. How many of y'all know there's no such thing as around to it? Amen. You're not going to do this on accident. If you don't make up your mind and determine, I'm going to share my faith with my family. I'm going to share my faith with my friends. I'm going to tell somebody about you. If you don't do that, you won't do it at all. And he says, stop making excuses. Stop making excuses. Say it with me. Say it again. Stop making, well, I just, what if I say the wrong thing? Okay, let me help you, let me help you, let me help you. What if they ask something I don't know, preacher? Here's what you do. Here's, a, here, here's what you do. Here's the answer. Y'all ready for this? This is real deep, y'all. You, that's a good question. I don't know. Let's practice. You ready? Isn't it great that you don't have to know everything? You don't have to know all their questions. Here you say, man, that's a good question. I don't know, but I'll find out for you and I'll let you know. Now back to what I was talking about. Okay, you don't have that excuse no more. I just took it away. That one's off the list. You can't say that no more. Well, preacher, what if I, I, I don't know how to tell them how to get to heaven. That's not an excuse because we've done, done two trainings. Did you show up? Did you show up? 
All you got to do is tell your story. How many of y'all are saved? Come on, raise your hand. I want to see it. Raise your hand real high. How many of y'all are saved? Put it down. How many of y'all were there when it happened? I'm curious about some of y'all. Where was you at? Okay, if you were saved and you were there when it happened, then that's all you need to know. How do you know? This woman, in a matter of minutes, some of y'all have been saved your entire life and you've never shared your faith with anybody. Shame on you. This woman is saved for a matter of minutes and she went back to the city and all she did was say, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. Is this not this Christ? And guess what? All those men came and believed. You don't have to have special training. All you got to know is what Jesus did for you. Just tell people what Jesus did or tell people what happened to you and tell them who did it. Okay, let's practice that. You ready? Tell people. Come on now. Tell people. And who did it? Let's try it again. Tell people. And who did it? What did the blind man say? They were interrogating him. He didn't know everything. He didn't know how it happened. He didn't know what. All he said, he said, so, let, let me tell you something. All I know is I was once blind, but now I see. Some of y'all might, be, might not be sharing your story because you don't have one. Well, we can solve that problem. We can help you have a story today. But listen, stop making excuses. Our excuses are not going to cool off hell. Our excuses are not going to help people get to heaven. Quit making excuses. So first of all, he criticized their excuses. He said, say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh heart. Watch this now. Watch the next thing he said. What did he say? Lift up your why do you reckon he had to say that? And watch this now. Watch this. Look, look at my face. Look at my face. Everybody, I know it's hard, but look at it. Everybody, watch this. If they were looking at Jesus, if they were looking at Jesus and they lifted up their eyes, what would they be looking at? The sky. But if, if they are looking... Preacher, what's, what's happening? They're having to come to Jesus' meeting. They're looking like some of y'all are looking right now. You see, they, they are aware of their failure. They realize what they did or didn't do. He said, lift up your eyes, look. Now, I don't believe he was looking at a cornfield or a wheat field or a rye field. You know, I've heard a lot of preachers apply that. I don't believe that. I believe this is what he was pointing at. What happened during the time of the come to Jesus meeting? What was going on in the, in the city? The woman was telling them all and saying, come on, come see a man. And guess what they did? They come on. So this is what I believe is happening. This crowd from the city is coming to find out what this woman been talking about. And so Jesus is here having his come to Jesus meeting with his disciples saying, look. Look what you missed. Look what you missed. Now watch this. Let me explain. 
First, he criticized. His criticism was their unacceptable excuses. Say it with me. Their. Then I want you to see this. Their unfulfilled expectations. Their unfulfilled expectations. Verse number 38. Jesus said, I sent you to reap. Now everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Because we're, we're far from being done with this. I know you don't have no more writing, but just look at me. They thought the mission was a fish sandwich. But Jesus said, I sent you to reap. Now see, some of y'all think your plan this week is to go buy groceries. But God's plan for you is to share with that, that person at the register the hope that you have. Hello. Me and Tammy was at Cracker Barrel sharing with a young lady. And she said, I've had a really bad day today. Was able to pray with her. Preacher, what are you saying? There's people that's starving to death for your attention. Stop thinking that your life is just about you. Stop thinking that your schedule this week is just about your daily requirements and your needs and your shopping and all that. Jesus is sending you to reap. How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase, how many of y'all have ever heard the phrase setting it up on a tee for you? If you haven't, this is what it means. It's like a golf ball on a tee. In other words, making it easy for you. Somebody just set it up for you. They just made it easy for you. This is what Jesus is saying to them. I made it easy for you. I sent you into a place where they were primed and ready. They were primed and ready. You didn't have to plant. You didn't have to sow. You didn't have to pull weeds. You didn't have to water. All you had to do was reap. And you failed. You missed an opportunity. You missed an incredible, great opportunity. Look what you missed. Can you imagine the disciples? I tried farming. Didn't work out too well. The only thing I could grow was squash plants. And that was because I planted 97 squash plants. I didn't know. And the people that's not laughing, you've never planted a squash plant. Because if you had, you'd know three of them would feed the south state of Alabama. Man, I had more. <laughs> Tomatoes, not so well, Brother John. Nothing turned out good. Nothing. I mean, I failed at everything. I tried. I just did not have a green thumb. Then, then certain people at the church, preacher, you need some maters? Yes, sir. Somebody else, preacher, you need some okra? Oh, yes. Brother Don Ewell said, you need some corn, preacher? Absolutely. And you know what I learned? People would ask me then, preacher, you going to plant a garden? Nope. What do you mean? I said, no, I'm going to let somebody else sow and somebody else water and I'm going to reap. <laughs> Hello. 
I can't tell you how many times that I've witnessed to somebody and shared my faith with them. And little did I know there had been a grandmama praying for them. There had been an aunt or uncle that's been sowing into them, sending them uh, Bible scriptures and all of this. And all I did was come share my story and boom, I got to read. I wonder how many people are out here around you every single day that you are missing an opportunity of the greatest blessing in your life to share your story and see somebody come and trust in Jesus. Because we're walking around with blinders on. We got to stop that. Follow me. And I will make you to become. I want to ask you. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Come on. Everybody look at me. Don't look down. Look up. That's what Jesus said. Are you fishing? Are you fishing? Are you looking on purpose for opportunities to share your faith? Are you looking on purpose for a chance to tell somebody what Jesus has done for you? If not, we're failing. Can you imagine the joy in this woman? Many believe because of the saying of the woman. Can you imagine, everybody look, we're done, we're done. My time's up. Can you imagine, everybody look at me, the disappointment in the disciples when they looked and seen what they missed. I would rather you experience joy than experience disappointment. Because there's no greater joy in this world than sharing your faith and somebody coming to Christ. And all of God's people say it.